welcome back to another episode of Nerds of the Rounds, guys. We're in October, Halloween. Um, sorry, you hear the echo. Baby. Spooky yes, season as going on. It, as the news anchors call it, spooky season. Ooh. Listen, listen. I'm I'm just here for all the horror, the uh, the cool costumes, and all the candy and joy. Well, I'm your host, Sebastian. It's your boy, Law. And your boy, Tone, from across the hall. And joining us again for Spooky Season, you know him as the creator of Surrounded by Death, Sartana, and the Pawn. Give it up for Johnny C. Let's go. What's up, up, fellas? Glad to be back. Thank you for having me back. Dude, Johnny, you're always welcome. We couldn't have this one without you. Can't can't have B-list horror movie talk without Johnny C. (laughs) That that (laughs) would be be sacrilegious. (laughs) (laughs) So we went down a B-list hole for you guys, the B-list. Of so originally, movies. originally, Seabass over here wanted to be like, "Yo, guys, watch all these bad movies," and we we're yeah. like, Listen. "He gave he gave us a list of eight, mind you." My man was getting ready for a move, and we're like, "Yo, I can't watch eight shit yeah. movies." Ain't nobody got time for that. Nobody got what? Come on now. <laughs> he, he over here thinking people got like free time. Like, what's Seriously, that? Seriously, man. But we, we all we all had the luxury of picking our own one from the list. Yes, I picked two. I picked two because I'm extra. That's me. <laughs> you said it. You're just confirming what we all know. Yeah. But uh, we all picked one, and it was a B-list horror movie from like early '90s, '80s kind of thing. But uh, when you hear them, you will know them, and you will either appreciate them, never heard of them, and you'll look out, you'll look out for them, yeah. or you'll just be like, why? Yeah, I've got my IMDb open just in case if there's something that hasn't, uh, you know, I haven't heard of, just so I can do a little cross-referencing. Thank well, uh, Seabass, do you still have the list, the actual list of the movies that you gave us? Oh, damn. I got you. I, got I don't you. think I ever got that, so I'm just going to be so, flying by. Uh, we, we, we talked, about, Johnny, you, you and I are like this when it comes to horror movies. Yeah, that's yeah, it. So, yeah. I got I'm you. on the same page anyway. So, Law, read off that list of horror movies that we had. So, um, this also, too, will help people look for some creature features who are looking for movies. We know, right. we know, we know that's, your, that's your kink. We know you're into it. Yes. So, Rawhead Rex, uh, Leviathan, Killer oh, yeah. Clowns from Outer Space, Deep Rising, Child's Play, Galaxy of Terror, Pumpkinhead, Extra 2, Second Encounter. Word. Now, from this list, I took... I took a, a a call out and I was like, nah, I'm going boys, uh, boys from the hood or tales from the hood because yeah. it gives you all this, all of the comedy, like bad CGI, bad, like it's so bad. It's good. It's, the story, it's all of it. All of it. It's got a total package like effort when you, when, when, it, yeah, when you, when you watch it. Absolutely. But everyone go around. I got tales from the hood. Tell them what you got. I took raw head Rex. Yeah. Not knowing what I got myself into and going basically off the name. Oh, man. So Law already saw the movie. And then me, I procrastinated and watched it at 12 o'clock midnight yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fresh in your brain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was uh, saying, ain't nothing wrong with cram school. Johnny C, what was your movie? Um, so again, I, I didn't really have a, a list to prepare, but I'm pretty sure I can speak well to Deep Rising. I watched that several times. Throughout okay. high school and uh, in subsequent years, um, you know, primarily because it's uh, Stephen Summers, who, mm-hmm. uh, if you're familiar with his work, I mean, the more mainstream stuff he did was um, the first G.I. Joe movie or mm-hmm. like The Mummy. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah. like his roots were in horror, and one of his first movies is Deep Rising. Deep Rising, and it's a fun one. It's a real fun one. It's it's like fun adventure, but it's also like very much a horror movie as well. You know, it's a little bit like Aliens, but like a lot more funner because like there's the whole gang of people who are trapped on a vessel and like they're fighting like these things, these creatures. You know, right? It's and uh, you have Treat Williams, who's like the action hero. Which is kind of like it's so, it's so strange because he's such a like he either plays like full on like a hole or like the nicest guy in the room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's like so, no but, like seeing him as a like hero esque like uh, the alpha s you know is not is not something you see from him. It was <laughs> it was like when like Owen Wilson did like behind enemy lines. Uh, like, Owen Wilson, yeah, is, like, an action hero, and you're like. Excuse me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, Bass, what, what was yours? I went with a Leviathan. And uh, what, was your, what was your bonus? Just, to, just so you could get it out there. Just to, you know, dive in there into the deep blue sea of movies, I went back to refresh myself on Rawhead Rex. Okay, so you, you could <laughs> team up with Tone. What defines a a-list horror film like something that's like top tier like you know great marks across the board versus a b-list movie now mind you not to say b-list horror or any b-list movie in general is you know bad it it usually the nostalgia of it helps like hold it in higher regards for us Um, but but how do you grade like how do you grade something that's like instant classic it hits all the notes whatever the case is and then like something else that's like yeah that's definitely b-list like that's mm, i mean like, i know it's I, definitely uh the bench like i know for me i have this thing where i mix horror and monster together okay. so it's hard for me to distinguish the two so like mount rushmore movies which i consider i consider uh predator i consider alien aliens like those are like all those movies that i really are like these are like horror monster movies that I was like really into. And I kind of, I, t- I tend to hold like most monster movies that I watch afterwards to those. Um, and it's kind of, and it's, and, you know, it's kind of hard to, it's really just hard to beat them, especially like aliens. Aliens is just a fucking masterpiece. You, you, uh, <laughs> you know, Amen. Uh, you know, and another, another horror monster movie that I like, I don't know if people like take, think it as really as good as, you know, as what it is. I enjoyed the relic from like the <laughs> middle nineties. I was just thinking, <laughs> literally, dude. I was just thinking of the relic. It was in my head. Yeah, like, it, yeah. It's in, it's that it happens in a museum. They they bring this crate over from the Amazon forest, and this creature comes out, starts killing all these folks during like a gala event, and then they get locked in, and they got to take care of it. I love the twist. I of that. feel like I've seen like the poster for it, but I don't remember if you I, def- I you've definitely saw seen it. the poster for it because it came out in the nineties. Like it was one of those movies where like my parents watched it and I couldn't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what was the twist? What was the twist in it, Johnny? The twist in that movie was that the creature was actually a human being, and he had metamorphosized and evolved into like this creature. So like that was like the whole kind of twist of it. And like I think it came in like you said like it was a a shipment from like yeah like a sarcophagus or something. Yeah, it was like so, a crate like, or something. And then it, it, and then they're at the gala, and then that's when it kind of starts to do its thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just eating people's heads and all that CGI. Like for its time, it was like late '90s, so like it was just coming off the cusp of Jurassic Park. Mm. But like it was pretty good for what it was, you know. But also at that time too, so you had Mimic. Mimic was out there too at that oh, time. Oh yeah, Mimic. Another one. That that that, that one is one. 
for those who do not like cockroaches. I watched Mimic in grade school. They put, I don't know why they put it on for us, but I remember watching Mimic in grade school. <laughs> Tone, you have you have your Mount uh, Mount Rushmore, but that's pretty much like standard for most people. I would feel like uh, if you're looking into the sci-fi horror, yeah, like, I monster mean, I mean, aside aside from the story. Aside mm-hmm. from the story being perfect, I think just the fact that just the use of practical effects of these movies just stands the test of time. I and think I think any I movie for. that has practical effects, uh, you you see it like it just yeah you see it. It like, doesn't age. Oh. It just it just it's timeless. Mm-hmm. You just get you can get a 4K Ultra HD version of Aliens or Predator and pop it in and be like, oh, when did this come out? Eighties? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think I think I think costume has a lot to do with it because you know if you get something that's like a really cheesy costume, then it just then it kind of brings it down to that notch of like trying to be like super serious or super funny or mm-hmm. like it takes you out of it because you're just looking at this costume like yeah I can't I can't <laughs> with the, I can deal with the cheesy gore and the cheesy effects and right, all that stuff, right. but like if each, if it's just the dude in the jumpsuit. Uh, you know, it'll throw me. And that's kind of when it comes down, which is kind of what I felt with Rawhead Rex because I felt the costume was just like super latexy. And then he had these red fucking eyes and it was just well, like, what? Johnny, what, what, what is your definition? Of, like, What makes something A-team, A-tier, and what's a B-list movie? Like, what are those definitions for you? So just as, I guess, a disclaimer and like how Tone was saying that he like mixes genres sometimes mm-hmm. and like kind of lumps things in. So like, I would always consider a thriller also a horror movie. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. So I then, feel like I feel like horror like could be anything. If it scares you, it's horror. Like I feel right. like you know. So like to that regard, like considering th- thrillers as a horror movie, um, I think some of your A list is like based upon like the quality of the talent that's in the film mm-hmm. and the quality of the like director or production team. So like two good examples of A list horror movies that come off like just to the top of my head is like the shining okay. and um silence of the lambs oh, right yeah. so like those are kind of more a-list and then you look at the flip sides like b-list is like where it's not it's like maybe bad or not bad but like there's things that like prevent it from being like a more appreciated on like a higher class scale or like a higher mm. quality level or however you want to cut it you know because right. it's like whatever crit- critically acclaimed if you want to say but right. like look at something like critters where like critters is like critically like like acclaimed as a cult classic and there's like cult fans of it and it's like a good horror movie and it's got good blends of sci-fi but like you look at it and it's just like especially in today's context with cgi and things like that it's like a bunch of puppets running around biting people like super scary back in the day you know what i mean so it's just like there's that kind of level so like you can consider critters like while it's being like you know critically a cult classic it's also kind of a b-movie see bass it's a really tough category because you have um when we pick those movies, there's a lot of good movies on that list that unfortunately they got regulated to like forgotten creature features and um, B list movies. Cause you do know, you th- some of these do movies, you think, do you think like there was movies that like came out and if they would have came out either later, like, like they missed the, the timing. Like if they came out before they would have loved it or if they came out after they would have loved it. But because it hit like a certain time frame, people just didn't connect with it. I, 
I think that's probably one of the reasons. Um, because if you look at it, like, for example, you had Leviathan, you had The Abyss, and then you had Deep Star Six, which all were in the same genre. They were undersea movies. Mm. Um, and then if you look at Leviathan, why well, I picked it again, because it's very reminiscent to some some aspects of John Carpenter's The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing, like the directors um, who were me, who came in to make the prequel movie, said they weren't going to remake the movie because it's like touching the Mona Lisa. Because John Carpenter's The Thing is one of those horror movies that did a one-shot, sh- one got a prequel many, many years later that still couldn't live up to the hype of what the original did. Right. When you sit down, John Carpenter's Thing is um, part thriller, part creature effect, mystery. It, it captures us all. and It, it, it comes from a good story uh, story source, too. Like, yeah. they, they did a really good job, like, capturing that, that, those details. But it's like... As best as they could, at least. But it's what's also, too, how the talent that was involved in that movie also helped elevate that um, sense of dread, that sense of, mm. how do you say it, um, that uncomfortable isolation feeling and just the mm. whole setup. So that's one of those mergers of a perfect horror movie. You had that with Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street, when it came out for the first time, there was these elements that it just stands to the test of time. And I think that's what you get the difference between a B-list and an A-list. I think I think a lot of a lot of movies in that regard have to you have if you're going into something like you're already going into a genre or you're going into a specific like lane, you have to figure out a way to like break out from that norm. And I think like a good example of that for me would be like Scream. The first Scream movie, like was like one of those movies where everyone was like, yo, did you watch that? Did you see that? Because it had everyone guessing to the last moment. And even at the last moment, you're just like, no fucking way. Scream took a lot of those horror tropes that we all yeah. grew up and loved, absolutely. threw them out the fucking window, and absolutely. that's the same thing. Like, it was when all, you look all, at aliens, it, aliens it took out did all that too. those slasher movies, and we're like, this is why. They, like, um, what's this dude's name? Was it Randy, the the kid, uh, the movie, the movie kid, the movie buff, Randy? Yeah, he and he's like, if you're if you're this, you're gonna die. If you're this, you're gonna die. He's and you're seeing it. You're just like, yo. At one point, everyone in that movie theater guaranteed thought randy was the killer guaranteed there was no doubt in your mind that you were like fuck there's no way he wouldn't know like he would know about this he has to be the killer to throw in loops like yo there's two killers fuck out of here man like it completely took everything you know on its head that's such a wonderful twist like that's one of the movies i can think back to and i think that's kind of what makes scream kind of like the quality of what it is is that like like you said, it broke things down in so many ways. It was very self-referential. So like, even at the time when it came out, horror movies were critically lacking at the box office. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it kind of celebrated horror movies, but also like, like poked fun at them. Right. But then it also took itself seriously enough to give you this really dope, like not really seen before twist of, you know, multiple killers, you know, mm-hmm. Awesome, like you know, I think there's only a handful of movies that have such wonderful twists. That and uh, Saw, yeah, probably that's, a, like, that's what yes, I was gonna bring up. A... Saying, like, like yeah. Saw coming out, and, like Saw having that same effect that Scream did of like, yo, did you watch Saw? I'm like, yeah. all right, and then no one tells you how Saw ends. It's like, yeah, those, it was one of those have to watch it. It's like, all right, I'm gonna put this on. Don't ask me no fucking questions. Just let it happen, and you're gonna be like, what? He was there the whole time. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, like, like yeah, it's it's one of those things too. Like you really got to hand it to like the directors, the writing team, because like how like those stories are told, where like the person and the killer could be in the same room together, a a wall, a thin wall apart, and you're watching from like both perspectives, not realizing how close they are. So it's just like, yeah, and you're just like. Oh shit! Like when yep. they do the flashbacks of everything, you're that's just the like, best part of Saw is just when just, the iconic music starts, <laughs> and it's just him just doing the B-roll talk, and he's talking about everything, and it leads up to him Dude. just getting up, and you're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Literally a mind fuck. It's a yes, mind it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, so those would you know be the upper echelon. The B-list, I'm guessing, are the ones that just missed the mark. Like there was well, something- it's. It's something. Yes. I I mean, I give, I like two. I think, I think two, two, what happened with Saw is that it lost the, the, the intellectual part and went straight to gore fest. Yeah. Like like two was a little bit, was more intellectual. And then three was like, cause you had the copycat at that point. So they weren't doing any of the traps. And then at that point they were just really, you know, making money off of 3d and having pop gags. The real formula of why, like, Usually a first movie's great, particularly horror movies. First movie's great, and, like, the seven after of them are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Is that, like, they have all this time to develop the first movie, right? And to make it what it is. And then as soon as it's a smash hit, they're like, okay, you have to repeat that in less than a year. I think Aliens was an exception to that rule because there were two different directors, because the second director was James Cameron went yep. with a whole different direction that worked so perfect for the movie. And there were and years apart, though, on that, too. Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt, no, no. Uh, uh, Sebastian. It was like, it's like you had Alien in 78, I think, or 79, yes. and then you had, like, Aliens in 84. So, like, there was some breathing room between mm. those two movies where it could reinvent itself to be an action horror movie. You know what I mean? And it, it works yeah. so perfect. But then it's like, I go what list for B movies is because when you see a, a formula that works, there are a lot of movies that try to copy it. Like um, when I was putting together that list of creature features, Extero 2 Second Encounter kind of copies that Aliens uh, formula with the team that goes in there going to take on extraterrestrial. And it's like, Oh, all shit's going crazy. And, and Galaxy of Terror was a copy of Alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, well, Deep Rising, the, you know, a movie I was referring before is like, it's literally an Aliens copycat in the same manner because it's like you have this team, they're supposed to knock off this like ocean liner and then they become the team fighting these like tentacle monsters. Mm. You know what I mean? And it becomes like the same Alien formula. It's like when it works, it works and you can see it's repeated you know, continually, you know what I mean? But it had a funny ending, though. I love the ending for Deep Rising. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that was fantastic. Like, it's just good, like, like, and that's kind of what I think, that you know, like, the, the funny moments and, like, the ending like that, I think that's what, like, makes it, like, the cult classic, you know? Right. I think we could we could spoil it. it, it whoever said spoilers one, and Tony Stark dies. It's like this. It's like if you've seen if you haven't seen Deep Rising, if you haven't, Tony's still your lines there, kid. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. He he come comes to my neighborhood now. He's taking my lines. Like, <laughs> Yo, I don't know like what this is. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Tom. <laughs> it's fine. The the the, the band aid's been ripped. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I I got you white claws somewhere. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> no, it's like um, I love Deep Rising because it's this funny because um, again, it also had borrowed a lot from different movies 
so Johnny, to give us the, give everybody the synopsis of Deep Rising. So Deep Rising is uh, basically there is a uh, squad of robbers, mercenary robbers that uh, board this ocean liner, and uh, their intent is to knock it off. You know, knock it off because there's a lot of rich individuals on board. But what they don't know and they don't realize is that there is um, uh, like a tentacle creature or creatures. Uh, that are permeating through the boat and uh, slowly but surely they start to you know knock everybody off and then it ultimately becomes a survival game and it becomes um, you know this game with the uh, mercenaries of uh, you know basically surviving and making to the end and you know getting away with the money and um, you know having this you know in defeating these creatures and then ultimately you have Treat Williams who's like the hero guy who again like you said before isn't your typical hero but also like he's like one of the villain guys too so it's just like he betrays them in a way and like you're kind of rooting for the bad guy and uh there's just all different personalities too like you have your typical funny guy you have like you know the damsel in distress you have the badass babe like all the components basically alien all the components of aliens are there but you know like if you were to say you know, die hard on a boat. Like this is like aliens on an ocean line. I like that. Nice. <laughs> so what are, what are the things that like would have made it a tier, but kept it B tier? Um, I, I think for deep rising, uh, I, I, you know, a couple of things. So I think it's just the year it came out, came out in 98. Um, if I remember correctly, like the matrix is dominating the box office. Yeah. Um, so it was like, you know, it, it probably didn't get the, you know, the, the good uh, luck. <laughs> yeah, it didn't get the uh, you know attention it deserved. Uh, you know the cast at the time: Famke Jansen, um, you know West Study, uh, Jason Fleming, um, you know Trevor Goddard, like a bunch of people. Uh, Demont, uh, Digimon Hansu, that was one of his first films. Wow! Um, right? Yeah. Yeah, like just I, I think um, like it may have been just a little too B level too, in the sense that like. You know, horror at the time wasn't very popular. I mean, we were talking about how Scream like kind of revolutionized things, but like mm-hmm. it's still horror is still kind of taking a backseat to a lot of other films. So like, I, you know, I think it just didn't get. It, the was it one of those things world. like how we see it now with like superhero films or like you know that comic book genre, but where like before horror was like that thing that either was like the nerd basement kind of corner everyone like kind of shunned it, and it mm-hmm. started to became more popularized. And then as it became more mainstream, you got like really good directors and really good writing. That's when people were like, oh, this is something like we can all like get behind because it's it's good. And we're like, no, it was always good. You guys just didn't appreciate it when it was still bad. Yeah, yeah totally. So like, and this is a really great example because I'm on their IMDb page, right? When mm-hmm. you get to the part of uh, more like this on Deep Rising, like here are your examples. And this is all stuff that we've already mentioned tonight. Leviathan, Relic. Phantoms, Mimic, uh, Virus, um, Virtuosity. Like, these were all films, the same idea of the same ilk and realm that kind of, like, all fell under the radar. They weren't substantial box office hits, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think it's all because of the same thing. They're the same type of species. That was another one from that era in that time frame. They're all of the kind of the same ilk, but not catching the public 
like the way some of those other ones did. And sometimes these movies are meant to be made as cult classics and not to dominate the box office when they're released, you know? When the movie is bad, you talk to your boys about it. You look at each other like, yo, dude, what the fuck are we watching? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There are me- There's one scene in this fucking movie that I was... <laughs> <laughs> where I needed I needed I needed my I needed my boys to be like yo why am I watching this right <laughs> did you see the zipper in the back of that guy's suit <laughs> oh my god yeah. it's that right. bad did I avoid no, like no no, some... no 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 it's not even it's not even a costume thing it is literally a scene what is it it okay before I even I'll just tell you so like you get to the end of the movie and you got the you got the deacon type of dude who is like seeing or as is the co-conspirator with rawhead rex trying to be like oh yeah he's he's our god he's the real god and he's going they're at the church and he's there kneeling and then the other priest who didn't believe any of the stuff that the protagonist is telling him about hears like the beast just yelling and screaming goes out to the graveyard and he's walking around and he sees his boy on the uh, kneeling and you see rawhead rex and you see the deacon dude like this and rawhead rex pisses on him he baptizes him with his piss. I was like, I'm done. What the fuck did I just watch? Wow. Wow. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? And then, he, and then later in the movie, the deacon's going after the priest as he's hiding in like the crypt. He's like, yeah, he needs to baptize you. I'm like, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't need demon piss on me. What is this? <laughs> Oh shit! So, so give us a synopsis of Rawhead Rex. All right, so Rawhead this, Rex. This sounds like it's a wild one. Rawhead Rex takes place in a small Irish village. The movie opens up with these farmers trying to take down this uh, this this big pillar. Automatically, you know, well, if it's there in the ground, you shouldn't take it down. Uh, so you're like, that's your first hint. It starts out with a guy who doesn't live in Ireland coming in. He's studying. He's a, he's a, he's a teacher. He's looking, he's looking into paganism, going to a church. And you see one of the stained glass windows has the rawhead Rex on it, but you don't know. You don't know why. Uh, come to find out the farmers who are trying to take the pillar down one farmer, the other two leave. And the one guy who's like really like adamant about taking down this pillar, takes the pillar down, unleashes rawhead Rex onto the village. So now you've got murders happening. And you've got the police coming and like these police, they're like, it's super stereotypical. It's like, where the hell did they get, did they cast these, uh, these Irish dudes to play the police? Cause they're oh, like no. acting like, like the, the, like the old school, like detective with the smoking and the cigarettes and everything, but yeah, you're in yeah. a small town and it takes you completely out of when it. When did this come out? Oh, like 1986. Okay. <laughs> So I, I immediately know um, the casting now. So uh, you know, you get so so as the murders continue, there's this one scene where this dude, he's got his little his little brother's cock blocking him while he's trying to while he's trying to sleep with his girl. They go out into the woods and uh, you know, he gets killed and they're going after him. And the main protagonist kind of sees Rawhead in the in the in the distance. He tells the police. The police obviously do not believe him and think he's crazy. Of and course. he does something that I'm not used to. He leaves town. He leaves town with his wife and his kids, and they go driving. Um, they go to his daughter's. Like, I need to pee. He's like, All right, cool. Let's go. Let's go take you to pee. Now, parenting one on one. Why are you leaving your kids to go urinate out in the bushes when you just saw a monster? I, you better piss yourself. We're gonna take you to Dublin. You're gonna pee there. But I digress. Uh, little girl pees behind the bush. She does. They do, here, the, folks. they do the fake out where she screams and you think something's going to happen. Turns out she sees a dead animal. The real fake, the real scare is that Rawhead Rex is going to kill this dude's son. 
and he kills his son. His the dad realizes that his son's about to be taken up by raw head rex, and he's like running and screaming. And then I don't know what happened. He gets stuck in the fucking gate or something. Like he's just stuck in a gate. Like the gate he opened to take, and like you see him like, and like you know his son's dead. They go to the police. The mother is not as distraught as a mother who just saw her son killed. She's just holding her daughter. Um, you come to find out that uh, Royhead Rex is now murdering all these Irish people in this trailer park, and the police come, and then the main chief who's there, who sees it, goes after Royhead Rex. Royhead Rex grabs him, convinces him that he is now their god, and he, the chief, police chief comes back. Everyone's like, oh, great. Does Rawhead Rex talk? Like, he can actually talk? And no. no. He just he's, got, he's got these red LED fucking eyes. Hold and on. that's how he communicates hold, to hold his his believers. He looks like a cross between like yeah. Predator and King Kong. Yeah, it's so like it's, description. it's yeah, it's it's like really fucking ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> oh. So they end up anyway. Long story short, what they, the? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to like give like a real rip synopsis about what happens <laughs> in this fucking movie. They, so he they, looks like he could be a Mortal Kombat. Oh, character. you just looked it up. You just oh, looked yeah. it up. Yeah, he looks like Goro. Yeah, what the fuck is this? Yeah. The worst so they, parts are like the daylight scenes with that oh kind of yeah. oh yeah, yes. so like or like any horror movie in general, like like daylight. There's a, there's a lot of daylight scenes with him. Yeah, there's a lot of day. Well, you see him in full sun costume, and it's like nope, yep, nope, <laughs> hard pass. So nope. a lot of a lot of the reason why this movie didn't work out to the A team is because it it missed. A lot of those marks. Let me where, okay. Like, so you, let, you me, got, let me let me let me take out of your discipline. So the move. So let me just. I'll finish. So the movie ends. You find out the way they take him out is that a virgin woman needs to hold up this relic and take him down. That is literally his weakness. Virgin women or pregnant women or something. Uh, and then they do the regular trope where he gets buried. They don't hide the stone. The stone is hides with him. The, this kid comes out to go to the grave of his brother who was killed, and he pops out like always in these tropes. And the movie ends how the movie ends it's fucking fucking ridiculous <laughs> what you find out you never is, you never got you never got a sense of disbelief where you're just like oh man. i was just but, like well first of all with the name called roy head rex and then knowing what we're doing i'm not expecting i'm not expecting aliens i'm expecting some some cheesiness here and i got cheese i got it i mean <laughs> i got on. it full I, on, I got sir. full on it was it was like what the fuck am i watching and then the <laughs> pissing scene happened and i was like really like far gone but what's funny is that this is written by Clive, Bar- Clive Barker. Uh, Clive Barker did the short story. It's based off one of his short stories. Mm-hmm. And essentially, he disavows this, hated how the movie came out. The sure. uh, actual Raw Hud Rex does not look like the monster that he created in his book. Although the monster in his book is a very phallic-like looking monster that's a nine feet tall looking penis. Um, mm, would yes. it, I wouldn't, yep. wouldn't put it past him. Um, so, but while this movie did terrible, and he hated it, it led him to create Hellraiser in 87. Um, so, you know... Hellraiser. Hellraiser, yeah. Hellraiser in 87. So, you know, you we need don't to... Want, we don't want you talking like Seabass. I know, I know. You're right, you're right, you're right. That's, that's not him. So, so, you, you, so from, be, you could so, be so much better. I can. So from the ashes... You know what happened? We switched because he said my fucking spoiler line. That's what happened. <laughs> uh, anyway. So from the ashes of this shit movie came the phoenix that is uh, a classic horror film uh and that was that is raw head rex he's talked about doing a remake to try to do justice for that movie god jesus <laughs> <laughs> i think what's is enough 
it sounds like it just needs to be buried and actually dead this time. No, it's it's definitely one of those you watch it with your friends. You watch it with friends. Like it, they try, it's not as it's try, it's not stupidly gory or anything. Like they get the kills, and you know one of the one is of the there, scenes. Is there a good jump scare at least? Is there like any no, level it's of got, suspense? It's got no. There's no suspense. It's really literally this thing just running around fucking murdering people, guy in a suit killing people. So you got <laughs> what? What do you got? You got guy in a suit. You got a, a, a main ass protagonist. You got police that don't believe him, and because it's a Smoking movie from. Detective. Smoking detective, and because it's a movie from the 1980s, you need at least one nudity scene. What you get? That's really all you need from these 80s monster movies. So, like, it came out in 86, right? So, yeah. you know, like, if you will hold up other movies to that standard in 86, like, there's some good, like, Aliens. That was, like, 85 or 86 or even 84. Like, <clears throat> you, they can do a good creature movie. It's like, and then they give you raw headbacks. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's some of the lines are like really so, funny. So I'll ask you this: Does this make B list or does it rank for you lower than B list? Oh, no, it's totally it's B list because like I can see myself watch like if this is a, if we decided to like come together and watch it and riff on it like that just makes a B list for me. Okay. Uh, I'm not looking at horror movies and being like this is C list, this is D list. Once you get past A list, it's all just fun to watch with your friends. And now to thank our sponsors. The Nerds of the Round is brought to you by Enbion. Make sure to use the code GETNERDYWITH IT to get 10% off merchandise and services such as web hosting, printing, and more at Enbion.com. So Leviathan is a movie that takes place underwater. So it's an underwater uh, mining facility. These um, underwater miners are mining um, for like certain minerals like silver and all that. Um, the guy who is the head of the, who is supposed to be their supervisor is none other than Peter Weller, AKA Robocop. So he is also, um, like a archeologist or something. That's someone who goes on dig sites to Mm -hmm. pretty much do that. So they put him in charge of there. So they're coming up to their mark when they're all supposed to leave. Like their 90 days are almost over. And um, he gets into a heated argument with doctor because the doctor wasn't there because one of the guys almost um, combusted in his suit or suffocated. One of the guys, six pack, gets lost on a dig. And so they sent um, his one of the other His name is six pack or his six pack? It's Buzz oh. Six Pack Parish. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, six, six pack is the asshole of the group. <laughs> He's like a he's a jerk, complete jerk, That's sexist, amazing. everything. I like mean, this dude, name this like dude I mean, this dude would be taken to HR uh, before his interview. Put it that way. That's how bad this dude was. Oh, man. Um, so anyway, I mean, you have Hector Elizondo in the movie, Ernie Hudson. Oh, just to um, tell you, the guy Nick who plays Foster. Six Pack is Marv Mert is uh, is Daniel Stern, who was in Home Alone. Yep. yep. Oh my so god! So this is this is pre home. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now I have to look this up. Hold on. So this is pre home. So six pack yeah. gets lost, and then they send out um, uh, Elizabeth Williams to go find him because he because you know they both got in trouble. So she finds him in a sunken ship named Leviathan, which is a Russian vessel. They look up to see like you know any vessels that have sunk in the area. Already, here's one thing that's already wrong. It says that the ship is an active duty in another part um, part of the sea. So that already sets off one bells and whistles. Um, they find they find a bunch of stuff. Uh, Six pack finds a flask and hides it. And um, 
Bowman sees that the other crew member who plays who's played by um, Lisa Albacher. So she sees that six pack hides that. Then they find a bottle of vodka, and then um, Peter Weller is handing the doctor the um, these documents. He's like, Doc, since you can read Russian, what does this say? The doctor starts reading deceased, deceased, deceased off these documents. So again, that's another thing sets off. Um, Peter Weller confiscates the whiskey, hides it. The crew ends up getting the whiskey, but um, he replaced the whiskey with water. So they're trying to drink this whiskey, I mean, not whiskey, vodka, and it's all water. So you see Six Pack later, and Bowman comes to his um, bunk. He's drinking from the flask, and she asks for something. Now, this is where all hell breaks loose. Both Bowman and Six Pack die because of the contents of what's in the flask. What starts happening is that the doctor finds out is that their their cells start um, mutating, um, mutate uh, genetic alteration starts happening. That's what he finds out. So as they're trying to walk the corpses to um, throw them into, well, before they do that, the doctor and Peter Weller they find that the two dead corpses are now merged together. Which now sets off another bells and whistles. Like, okay, we have to get this out of here. So they go with the crew. They don't tell this to the crew yet. So they're taking the bodies, and then the only Spanish member of the crew who is played by um, Michael Carmine, who plays uh, De Jesus, he feels like, oh, they're still alive. They're still moving. So the crew is fighting with them from throwing the thing, uh, the body bags into the water into. And then all of a sudden, a hand pops out and it scratches one of the crew members, which is played by Hector Elizondo, who's known as Cobb in the film. And so they're like all freaking out. They get the body in there. It starts to go down to the elevator, which sends it out into the water. But before that happens, a piece of the creature gets cut off and now starts to mutate and starts to go around the ship. First member that dies is the Jesus. Um, and it starts picking them off. Cobb gets infected by the creature and takes out the dock. Um, so long story short, it's a race against time against a creature that is altering their cells. And um, as they announced this to make Foster's character, who plays Miss Martin, who's part of the company, she's telling them that they can't evacuate them because there's a storm, which is bullshit. And then Peter Weller and the rest of who are still alive find out that they were actually not going to rescue them, that they said the whole mine was uh, blew up and that all the members died. So there's like now a race to its time to get out of there and everything. So that's pretty much Leviathan. Uh, I was just going to say, like, uh, I always appreciate a movie with Meg Foster because she has those unnaturally blue yes. eyes. And she's also like always a villain. Like, so if she's in a movie. Like nine times out of ten, she's a villain, and she's always typecast that way because of those unnaturally blue eyes. She, you know, most people remember her as Evil Lynn in Masters of the Universe. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, this is like right up your alley, Seabass, with the body horror type of thing. It, well, yeah, I feel like this game, <clears throat> if it didn't clear a path, it definitely like put a like sort of opened the door for a lot of those like weird, creepy mutation type like horror movies to come. It does because it's like um, when they show that scene with Cobb in the dock, it kind of reminded me of a little bit of the thing. And especially when the bodies started to merge mm. together, because you saw a lot of that in John Carpenter's The Thing. And just like I said, this movie probably felt definitely on the B level and it's hard to find. It is a cult classic, has a cult following, 
But then you have movies like Deep Rising that came out, which again, underwater colony, mining facility, dealing with the creature. Then you had the acclaimed movie, The Abyss, which dealt again, underwater mining for, um, not on a like, uh, science habitat that mm-hmm. encounters aliens. Now, not too much of a horror movie, but again, it did better than those two movies combined. Right. It's, it's just, it's... I think I think the one that really messed people up in the eighties for that time, when it comes to water, was Jaws. I, I'll always say that Jaws really fucked up people where it came to water. Like yeah. you can kind of like go, oh, Leviathan, all these movies, they don't have. Um, you can be like, oh, those things aren't real. So I, I'm not as like whatever. Jaws, especially when you're you know in the eighties and whatnot, you're just looking at it going, fuck, I don't want to be in the water right now. Like Jaws scared a lot of people, but that whole absolutely. underwater habitat, I think it was Jaws 3 that they copied that underwater habitat environment mm. when they were trying to make that underwater amusement park. But again, it's, it's, yeah, no, Jaws really fucked up a lot of people. Yeah, man, Jaws. <laughs> we're not swimming in the ocean because Jaws. Facts. <laughs> Super facts. Uh, but no, Leviathan is a, it's a good movie to watch with friends. It's a, it's a great creature feature recommendation. Don't mm-hmm. like watching stuff with body horror. It's really good. I mean, it, you, you do have a great cast. You have Ernie Hudson in there. Um, yeah, you have like some of the, like the, the top faces of like the early 90s, late 80s, like in that movie that I can throw yeah. back and tell. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, Peter Weller right after he was Robocop, right? Like, Ernie Hudson coming right off of the Ghostbusters sequel. Like, right. you know, by all intents and purposes, like the cast, like they're some of the hottest at the time, mm-hmm. you know, and for this to kind of fall under the radar, like I said, all these other films, you know, that definitely qualifies it as a B, even though it has a lot of the great components for like an A, right. quality, you know? So, <laughs> Tales from the Hood. Who who doesn't love a good anthology, uh, anthology series, anthology movie? First of all, I feel like this would have done better had had it not been competing. Like it, it, I probably it probably wasn't competing. It didn't feel like it was competing, but it was competing with like Tales from the Crypt. Like it's almost that same that same vein. And I want to say Tales from the Crypt had a little bit of a head start. Let me see. I think Demon Knight came out the same year, if not yeah. like around that time frame. So. I mean, that was probably one thing that it was like, okay, we have like Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, and then like this is kind of like the urban like alternative to it, you know? Yeah. yeah. You also have to think if you look at the cast of Tales from the Hood, it's like people who are like like African American actors that were, like were hot at that time. Absolutely. Particularly like uh definitely like David Allen Greer is mm-hmm. uh in Living Color was hot then too, you know. Uh Clarence Williams, uh, well, no, he got, uh, he's, he was in everything. Like, it's, it's yeah. a lot of, like, household names for people, but then, like, you wouldn't know who they were, like, just by looking at them. You get Tales from the Hood, and essentially you're getting that same feel of Tales from the Crypt, except it doesn't start with the Crypt Keeper, let me tell you a story, blah, blah, blah. It's literally these dudes coming into this funeral home and just being like, yo, I gotta hide out kind of thing, da, 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 I gotta, you know... And he's like, all right, cool. You know, you guys do whatever. And he's just like casually just telling them shit. And they're like, yo, old man, like, we don't want to hear about any of this shit. Like, why are you telling us? And he's just like, yo, just humor me for a little bit. So he starts going on all these stories. And 
one, I think they will be amazing stories like told today. Like if they were told like top notch all, all across the board. But you have like that first one where you have like police brutality and the cop who didn't like wasn't able to help the kid and uh or, or the guy and he like end up going crazy because he's hearing voices and he's like oh man like i have to like seek justice and all, all this stuff and it was like yo like all right like cool and they go right to the next one where like, you have the abusive like angry father type and the kid who could like do voodoo paper drawings and i'm like that's fucking bugged out you got the teacher coming by the teacher definitely came by because he had a had a crush on mom let's let's be serious he was trying to look he was looking to be a stepdad (laughs) but um like that whole that whole like thing and it is funny because like you have all these stories being told and there's no real connection other than the narration like the person telling the story but they're telling all these stories that have either some level of like a good versus evil uh, questions of moral compass and whatnot, which I totally love throughout the film. Then you have um, the, uh, the dude who was in the house that was a former slave house and all of the uh, like images and like uh, the paintings start coming alive and start bugging out. And I was like, Oh, I forgot about this. Cause this was, it, it was so good. It was so good. And it's, the perfect level of like comedy because you definitely have moments where you're laughing and and whatnot but you also have all those elements of just like yo this is this is bug these are like really great stories that are being told but it's bugged it's it's i wouldn't say it's horror like um it's creepy it's i would give it creepy for me like it's it has the right elements of this like Nah, there's something really messed up and bugged about it. You know what I mean? Um, especially the fact that, like, you you figure like how people died. The first the first story was told, your man's gets like melted, almost like acidic melted into the into the um, wall and becomes a mural, and then mm-hmm. homeboy goes crazy and goes to his, uh, a mental asylum. And it was like, oh, that's how we end this. Cool. The next dude. Um, his son steps on the piece of paper and crumbles him up, and then they put the piece of paper into the fire. Are you kidding me? Like, that's so bugged out. So you're watching this, and you're just like, yo, okay. Like, honestly, I think timing and I think a lot of the tones weren't for every audience. So it was definitely like, if you like it, you love it. But if he didn't like it, it didn't really resonate with you as much. And it's uh-huh. one of those movies that, like, you know. And then just to bring it full circle where these guys are, like, getting their own story told out to them at the end. For them to see themselves in caskets. Like, yo, old man, what the fuck is going on? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I thought this was just a funeral home. He's like, ain't a funeral. Fu- this ain't a funeral home. This ain't even the fucking Thunderdome. Welcome to hell, motherfuckers. And I was like, oh! <laughs> like, I was expecting at most they were in like limbo, purgatory kind of thing. He was like, nah, hell. Like, y'all dead already. Like, what's good? And I was like, oh, that's that's dope, you know? It's such a good movie, but I feel like not a lot of people know it or appreciate it for what it was. You know what I mean? 
Like, it's definitely one of those, like, like I said, like, if you heard about it, you know it and you love it. If you heard about it and you never checked it out, you're just like, ah, it wasn't really for me. You know, it's funny though. And it's, it's definitely in those in that realm. If you like anthology, if you like anthology horror, and you like and you love stuff like Tales from the Crypt and Goosebumps and all those, you're gonna love this. Like and I think black this creep is... show kind of, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. like a black exploitation creep show. Yes. A little bit. I think this is why a lot of us missed it. So Tales from the Hood um was released in 1995. Mm-hmm. So reason I believe a lot of us missed part Seven. two. Um that's why. <laughs> So part two was released straight to video in 2018. Oh. Part three just released on the sixth. So whoever's watching this, you got two and three now that you can watch. Have a whole little monster. Yeah, it's like it just came out of nowhere. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been dormant since the 90s. And then in the late 2000s here, or, you know, 2018, 2020, that's when they decided to dip back in. But so I, I feel like it didn't get enough of like a like recognition or anything because they just dropped it and no one said nothing. Well, then. like you said, I think it was because it was competing with um, Tales from the Crypt. You had a movie that was, I think, did something similar, which you had Snoop Dogg's Bones, which mm. came out in 2001. But again, you had Tales from the Crypt. You had um, Tales from well, the Dark if Side. The, if, so if the second one came out in 2018, I missed it because I just forgot about it then. Because yeah. I, I must have heard about it and... Because there wasn't enough people talking about it and not enough like promotion, and, and, and just you know, and if it was straight to video, it's like this: like who remembers back in the day when you want to watch a horror movie, you would go to the video store, you or blockbuster, you would pick Listen, it up man. because yeah. that was that. That's probably one of the reasons you miss it because like a lot of the times now, without the video stores that we had any um that we that we used to have, you're not scrolling to find a lot of these movies on netflix because netflix is just already putting some movies already mm-hmm. to the forefront which you have to search for movies it's mm-hmm. the same thing with amazon and all these other streaming services and mm-hmm. if like let's say for example you have cable not a lot of people want to rent movies from cable because you rent the movie it's like uh, uh, you gotta it's uh, it's more commitment to rent like yeah. a movie now than it was like going to blockbuster like blockbuster yeah. You've rented like four movies for twenty it was, bucks. It was like an event. You go to block. You, like you, you go into blockbuster to get ready for the night, right? You know, and like everyone's kind of making you make a trip out of it. Like you go to blockbuster, you get some takeout food, you bring it all back, and like mm. you do a whole to do. Because even with a bad movie, like out of that mix, you're probably watching. You're probably going to make an event of it. You're going to watch it, like Tone said, with your friends and whatnot. And the experience, like of that, incrementally goes up because you watched it with your friends but if you watch something by yourself like straight to dvd you're gonna you're gonna feel buyer's regret which is gonna make you hate the movie more and you're just gonna go in with like a uh more of an expectation than anything like you're like this movie better deliver you know i feel like there's more of a market for like bad independent horror movies or like lower budget horror Mm -hmm. movies during that time frame just because a they're cheaper to make, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And b like you know, there was the video store where you can walk by and like mm-hmm. look at the you know look at it and be like oh like I've never heard of this. It was never in the theaters, but like I'll pick it up. Like I remember explicitly going to video stores and like seeing a videotape for a movie called Jack Frost, which was a horror movie. Wow, Jack Frost is such a throwback. <laughs> That yeah, was so good. Like, that was so bad, but good. I love that one. So bad, but good. Like, you had, like, a, a killer snowman that, like, was pretty much, like, you know, 
wisecracking like Chucky, so he was funny. Mm-hmm. But like also like there were some like pretty good kills, you know. So it's yeah. just like that kind of idea, and like you know, it, and that was like the perfect formula too. Like you know, Child's Play was one of the movies on the list. Like you had like the wisecracking villain, Freddy. Like Freddy did wasn't wisecracking, at, you know, at the beginning, and like slowly he became more humorous, yeah. and like that became a thing, you know. <clears throat> you forgot the power glove, <laughs> <laughs> or, your, or his riff of Scary Terry. Yeah, oh, that's right. <laughs> but like, and even if you look at that era of like horror, right? Like, look at the horror icons that transformed, and then look at the ones that tried to stay the same, and look at their popularities, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if you look when Freddy and like Chucky and like all those movies were really popular, the other end of the spectrum of horror movies, like Jason, Michael Myers, Pumpkinhead like where they weren't humorous and they weren't ro- wisecracking villains, but like they were straight horror was not as popular and wasn't getting like the, you know, the notoriety that the right. other more like funny or, you know what I mean? So it's you, like, have to, yeah. you have to yeah. result for the, you have to like su- supplement them with being like somewhat they, action-y or yeah. a little I mean, bit of comedy like, or whatever. Or even like, is. you know, like Hannibal Lecter, like he's such a iconic Remembers and like you don't really see him eat and kill people until you watch like you know uh, Red Dragon or whatever. Right, it's just his interaction. You know, who remembers Jason X? I I was just I remember Jason. I was watching someone give a reaction to that movie the other day, and it was so funny. When he gets his fucking Doom armor in space, like yo, (laughs) I'm friends with the writer of that movie. (laughs) <laughs> no shit Todd Farmer big shout out to Todd Farmer oh my god, god. love you man listen I love the, so it has one of my like I think that when they try to make Jason a little bit of a comedy but it has one of my favorite scenes that to this day I continue to laugh was when they put him in this um you remember Star Trek where they had that VR room that made people think? So there was kind of like a scene like that in Jason X where they were made him think that he was just watching these campers. So it's these two um, female campers kind of like fighting each other, being all sexual, like, mm-hmm. oh my God, oh my God. So they they cut to the to the people trying to escape. Then they cut back to Jason with those campers and you see him with two duffel bags just beating one like this. Like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I lost my shit. <laughs> it was i feel like it was it, it like leaned into that like all right Camp. we're gonna we're gonna be campy <laughs> yeah be horror like they they were like listen we're just gonna do that i mean the idea of jason in space like you have to just roll with the campiness yeah absolutely. pepper in the horror and know people are gonna laugh like yeah. it's one of those things of like knowing you're not taking yourself so seriously so like you can like you're okay with the laughter that comes from it, right? Another fun fact about that movie is that uh, horror aficionado David Cronenberg is at the beginning he plays the teacher that leads the expedition that uncovers Jason. Oh shit! No way! Wow. Yeah, and that's David Cronenberg from um, you know like Extra, yeah, and yeah, The Fly, and all that good Holy shit! Holy shit! That's hilarious. Well, Leprechaun was another fun one. Oh yeah, well that was Jennifer Aniston's first movie. Like aside from the trauma stuff, but like her first like Hollywood movie was Leprechaun, and uh, you know we had Warwick Davis in the role who you know at the time. He was only doing like Willow and like, you know, the fun, like Wicked from Star mm. Wars, you know? So like, finally he got like this 
other chance to do something so radically different from you know anything that came before it and that's another great example of like playing off a child's play where like you had like a small wise cracking villainous like you know mm-hmm. like monster creature you know what i mean mm-hmm. what sucks you guys in more is it the 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 villain that can that can almost feel real or is uh very like charismatic and you know captivating or whatever the case is or is it the unknown like that monstrous like what lurks in the deep what's behind my closet the ghost kind of stuff or on the very other end of the spectrum we have like just people in general like the scream factor where you're like it's my best friend or it's my like what what's that level for you like where's the like for me personally like I'm one of the very few people who went to go see Hostel in theaters and genuinely loved every moment of it because I was like, the depths that people would go through. Jesus Christ. That was like, for me, it gave me like that love of horror again because it was so like, again, like just seeing people's inner monologues, seeing how like people think and operate was just like, that's fucked up. Oh man. Oh, man. I think the, the one thing from Hostel that sticks out to me is when the fucking dude cuts the other guy's Achilles tendons. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. That's That that brings back when I saw that shit in a fucking, what is it, Pet (laughs) cemetery with the little little dead kid and he's cutting the guy's tendons from under the bed with the scalpel. Oh. I don't like that shit. Oh. (laughs) But like, like what level? That's a good example of like something that like I'd say kind of like ropes me in is like, um, Things that like, Make I guess stomach turn kind of unsettled a little bit, or like even just like on the, like the like Cujo, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, a throwback. Yeah, or like um, just like sentience where they're sh- like so. That's child's play as a kid, like freaked me. I love it now, but like as a kid, it freaked me out because you know in toy stores we had those my buddies. So you know you go to Toys R Us or kids, you know uh, Child World or whatever. We, Toy Story of your choice when you're a kid and you know you'd walk down the halls of this toy store and you'd see the thing that you also saw commercials for that was killing people anything (laughs) that was higher than like his height freaked me out for a while until I got big enough that I was like oh I can punt his ass once I (laughs) once I once I could punt Chucky I was like oh he's fair game like we're all good he he may get one like stab in before I punt him Right, like Chucky. Chucky was fair game. Was I got like over five feet tall? Um, Jason and Freddy, I feel like moved too slow, and I was like, I'm gonna book it. Like I'll be out. And then Freddy, I was like, Yo, I just gotta figure out one, like what his thing is, and then just work work my dreams against him. Yeah. So like, I think it's like sentience where there shouldn't be any is freaky things like that. Absolutely. But, like, but also, like, I appreciate more of, like, horror in the terms of, like, like, Texas Chainsaw is, like, one of my absolute favorite horror movies. So, like, Marcus Nispel, one one real thing with him in that 2003 remake of um, Texas Chainsaw. Mm. And I mentioned it earlier with Rawhead Rex is that, like, you know, some of the horror movies in Daylight, mm-hmm. like, you know, that is, like, yo, he made Daylight scary again. Yo, I watched that movie. <laughs> for the first time, I think I watched the first time in my house, like just chilling. I was like, I'm gonna put on a fucking Texas Chicksaw Besker. <laughs> <Fuck>! Yo, <laughs> mistake, <laughs> mistake. 
So then, so I watched it, and it was it's one of the few horror films that like like I can get a few jump scares, but that one made me like nervous because I was just like, oh, homeboy, he's fast. He's big. <laughs> and he's just coming out of anywhere. He don't talk. He don't say, yo, bro. Everything about it just was unnerving. Well, and then, like, through the backyard, and there's like the white sheets and stuff. And like, you all can't of see it. where he's coming, but you hear the chainsaw, right? And that's so unnerving. Man, it's so good. And you know, like, if he catches you, like, because you see, like, you know, he catches one of the kids, and like, what's he do? He like treats him like fucking meat. He puts him on a hook. Right, and then like his legs cut off. So what's he do? He packs it with salt and wraps it up like a butcher would. Like it's just Dude. so brutal. And, <laughs> and, like, and you see like no emotion out of him. Like he's no. just like whatever doing his thing. And you're I just mean, like he's, le- he's Leatherface. I mean, <laughs> it's so wild. No, for so a good false safety moment for me. I remember seeing was like a big holy shit moment. Was uh, Deep Blue Sea when Samuel Jackson gets yes, taken out. Yes, yes, that is the tier. scene. That is fucking yeah. top tier. If you don't know that scene, go yo. look at it now. So First, I love, I love Deep Blue Sea. Oh, I man. Yo. Also, scenes, you know? It's the hero speech. It's the hero speech. You don't expect speech. Samuel Jackson. Well, first of all, Deep Blue Sea did two things. It took out Samuel Jackson, which you didn't expect. And usually in like these horror movies, it's usually the guy and the girl that just always go. But then it's like, well, you can't, you can't kill L. Cool J. Right. So I was like, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to kill the female scientist and then leave the reluctant guy who was like, I can't, you guys are stupid for doing this, and the chef. Right. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm here for this. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yo, I remember I'm sitting down watching Deep Blue Sea at the crib. And then Samuel Jackson's giving the speech. I'm like, oh, Sam's going to be one of those guys that's going to make it to the end. <laughs> Nope. Bam! Middle of the speech. I'm like, oh shit. And it's like his false sense security, man. It's fucked up. It's like his body gets slammed. It's like, oh god. He's in the midst of like a rousing speech too. Yo, for real. We're gonna get through this. Yeah, we're gonna live. And then (laughs) just got eaten. Like they're in like a pressurized room, and the shark's like, "Yo, fam, what's good?" Like like a goddamn polar bear, motherfucker. (laughs) Bro, it was one of the most beautiful, brutal Samuel Jackson deaths that I ever saw. Because they weren't done with them after they slammed them against the wall and start shaking them and shit like that. Oh, yeah. When well, they yeah. get out there, they turn and have. You see them in there the was water no, There was no like, clean bite. There wasn't like clean bite and I'm out. It was I mean, grab, no, like no, aggressive no, no, grab. No, no. Thank you so much, Giant C, for coming on. Thank and you for guys, having me back. No doubt. We're going to have you on again very soon, hopefully, for that watch party. Uh, we got to set that up. Um, go enjoy your spooky season and your October, all the holler, uh, holler, the Halloween horror oh. that that uh, <laughs> that is to come, and and it has been out there for you guys. Um, you know, like we said, look at all all the favorites we've said and mentioned. There's you know shows and all sorts of stuff. Go check out horror podcasts. Everything, everything is 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 uh, especially in this digital age, is ripe for the taking. So. With that said, taking us out, it's your boy Law. It's your boy Sebastian. And your boy Tone from across the hall. Thank you guys so much. I hope you guys have a great, great, great time this Halloween season. Peace. Hey, everybody. <laughs>